0: Um, this is one of the top 10 most important slides of the day because none of you will want to do it. And that sets you apart from other people. Uh, so this is kind of the homework when we, when we say you should not be in a crowded niche and you should be in one that is unique to your strengths and is defendable by creating content consistently. There's something I got from Jeffrey Gittimer and I was able to. When I was getting my MBA, I had nev- never heard the word family office before. He said, I'll tell you my most eval- valuable sentence of advice in 20 years, growing my business from making 50000 a year to millions of dollars a year. And he said, if you give away insights and things of value to people who could say yes to you on whatever you're trying to sell, and you give them value once a week, you'll be a local expert in one to two years, you'll be a regional expert in two to four years, and you'll be a global expert in four to seven years. But then he ended the sentence saying, but none of you guys will do that. It takes way too much hard work. And I tell all my competitors that and no one copies me. So good luck. And I remember looking out for the book and being like, well, the SOB is going to do that. And then I I didn't know what a family office was back then. But when I heard about family offices and we started getting some traction, I was like, oh, well, I'll just follow Jeffrey Gittimer formula that no one wants to do because it takes 16 years of hard work to get where we are right now today and just follow this. And nobody gave me an investor funnel. Uh, instructions. I just studied Gary Halbert and Joe Polish and Dean Jackson, Jay Abraham, Dan Kennedy, Dan Sullivan, um, all these people that teach marketing best practices or, or influence and persuasion, like Robert Cialdini, and then applied it all to raising capital. And that's partially what some of our workshops are on. Um, and so when you put this together, ideally, some people will come through and they will first interact with an article or a blog post and that's easy to create it's easy to consume it doesn't mean they're super qualified if they next consume a white paper or a survey of your industry a benchmark survey that takes more time to put together there's not as many of those out there separates you a bit and someone who consumes both is now more qualified and they know you better and like you more probably they trust you more if you write a book far fewer people do that um, if you give speeches not not many people uh, give talks it might be right in line with how rare it is to, to write a book uh, maybe a little bit more frequent, but it means they're more qualified. If they sit through a live talk with you, you make a deeper connection than reading a book. You don't get to see who the human being is that way. And then if they wa- if they meet with you live, they're more likely to invest just one-on-one or in a very small group setting. So they're more and more qualified the more they go down the funnel, but it also takes more of your energy and your time to do these things. And so very few investment firms build the whole funnel. I know some people have raised $100 million by having an AM radio show, and that's all. I've known someone who's raised $100 million plus and they just had a blog, or, or just had a podcast for years and years and years, and then put out one book, uh, and they raised $100 million plus. You also don't need any of this, and you could raise hundreds of millions of dollars. But this is how we've done it. Um, and the cool thing is that someone might read an article, and then want to meet with you and then invest. Or like, we got a message saying like, hey, saw your website, read the materials, don't need a phone call, uh, send me the DocuSign, I'll, I'll invest. You know, that's happened once in the last six months. It doesn't happen a ton. Usually people want to talk at least once, Right. But uh, that does happen sometimes. And then when people, some people will go through every layer of the funnel and then convert after a year and a half or two years. Some people will go through every layer of the funnel, bounce around in there for a decade and never do business with you, that's fine. You just had to create it one time and you're building these bricks of your foundation of defending your niche and kind of owning the turf. And so this is work that people don't want to do, but if you saturate a small little niche compared to your competitors and a very specific type of investor demographic, Other people will not have that focus, won't create content, and won't do that for three to four or five or seven years. That's what Gedimer was saying. So it was cool having him on my podcast and saying, hey, I did exactly what you said the last decade and a half. And that's what my whole business is built on. So thank you for that help. And we chatted about it. And you can see that on our YouTube channel. So there's a lot of synergy. You do one part of this. The other parts get easier, just like we said. And the cool thing is, let's say that you do this... And it fails in one important way. It doesn't bring you a single investor prospect. You're like, man, Richard's full of it. He said, if I did this, I would bring in investors from the wild and they would trust me more and meet with me. If somehow that fails completely, the very worst case scenario is that you're more articulate. You know your industry better. You have more insights, probably a better network because you've spoken places, even if it's just your peers you're attracting. And every single investor meeting you have, you are now more credible, more authoritative, and you have things to drip on them over time. Can follow up with that white paper, can follow up with that book, or record a talk. Like, there's no way you can lose by doing this. Even if your whole initial, seemingly greedy intent is, I want to raise a ton of capital by doing this investor funnel. Well, the byproduct is you're going to be smarter, more articulate, more well connected, better deal flow, uh, and better follow up. Right? So, pretty hard to lose from doing it. But no one wants to do it because it takes a lot of consistent work and it takes focus. The big reason why people don't want to do it, I found over teaching this for over a decade, is that the end sandbox is not exciting enough. But they don't really care about dominating that sandbox, that sandbox long-term for that investor type. Like, eh, I might change my mind next year. I'm not going to go really deep on this thing. Who knows if NFTs is a fad or this other thing's a fad. So I'm not going to dig all this time into positioning. Um, and so like for me, it's taken us over a year to interview just 22 billionaires for billionaires.com. But our goal is to interview a hundred. And even if that takes me 15 years to interview a hundred billionaires to have three questions answered from each and have 300 insights from 100 billionaires in a 100-page book and at billionaires.com, like I'm sure something good will happen like from doing that, right? It doesn't make me any money right now, but it's a, wor- a worthwhile sandbox to be in that will do this hard work and do it. Yeah, Vakash?
1: So like someone with my background uh, with a little more uh, non-niche kind of uh, uh, area, I have okay. a bunch of things which I simultaneously work on. right. What do you suggest? Like, if, let's say if I'm focusing on, um, uh, post money startups. Right. You know, fintech, health tech, a little bit, right? Yeah. Really, really good question. And then you have, um, uh, commercial real estate, you know, that's another niche and some, uh, lower mid market or mid market M&As. Right. So, so with this funnel kind of a, a solution, right? Um, right. Can I then parallelly focus on multiple funnels or has to be like one.
0: Right. So I think I have like four answers for you. So the first one is if there's some niche you like the most, like commercial real estate or whatever, some little niche, yeah. you could just go deep on that. If that's your favorite type of client, and that's 80% of your work, then it's a lion's share of your profits. And you could focus on that. Uh, you could focus just on attracting the best quality managers of many types but do so so effectively because you're known as a top placement agent globally and you represent your own personal brand as a placement agent capital raiser so well that you get the cream of the crop pick of who you represent. That'd be a second option. The other option is an investor set. You could focus all land raising capital from endowment funds. Um, we, or another niche, like we've spent 16 years building Family Office Club and familyoffices.com or slow motion buildingbillionaires.com. But last year we bought SovereignWealthFunds.com, and they have 27 trillion dollars in the hands of 175 groups. You know, it's like double the family office space. Where there's 10,000 of them. So like, oh, what have I been doing with my life the last 16 years? Right, like jokingly, but like eventually we'll do something in the sovereign wealth fund space. But that could be later down the road, and it's not an investor segment we're digging into right now. Yeah. So that'd be that'd be the um, the other potential the potential option there. But I think it'd be good to choose one of those and not try to be everything to all those different categories.
1: So you try to be like for a finite period, you want to be authority in something, right? And then you go from there.
0: Right, right, right. You can't be number one in something if you're chasing like five niches at once. But once you have momentum in one, like great connectivity with endowment funds, um, then you could say, okay, that one's got momentum. Now it's walking on its own and breathing on its own. Let me nurture the second one in slow motion here. And get that developed just like just like the way we're doing at least that's the way we've approached it.
1: Understand. Okay. Thank you.
0: Yep, yep. Andres, you mind running the mic up here, sorry. Then I'll check if there's any online questions too. Yeah.
2: we went down to the the Super Summit event and in agreement with what you're you're saying here, we met a fantastic broker down there. Okay. He took we're in multifamily, he took us and about fifteen other multifamily Uh, companies out for dinner right the whole night he just asked what he could do to help them right and at the end we left and we went went, went back home and chris and i just talked about he asked no questions about how we could do business with him right could benefit from that yeah we immediately talked to our founder invited him down to virginia beach yeah came down, met the team, took us out for dinner. Right. He left, and the founder was blown away. He said, that was really interesting because (laughs) not once did he again ask about how he could earn business from us, and then he said, um, you know, just one of his items was, I'm going to introduce you to attend family offices. Right, right. (laughs) We got... 11 or 12 emails in a row with intros to really? single-family office people. Wow. Within a day, we had six appointments. Wow. We've done video calls with half of them. Awesome. So far. Awesome, yeah. And, of course, we want to do business with yeah. as a broker. It separates him from every other broker you've ever met, like, your whole career, probably, it's right? It's all just, what
0: can I do for you? Right. And it right. was...
2: Yeah, it
0: was Yeah, for sure. At the in, at the influence and persuasion workshop we talk about reciprocation. When you do something for someone, they want to thank you back. But also you just don't do business with people you don't trust or like. So you're like you're just naturally liking them, trusting them. You want to reciprocate, but you're also more influenced by people who have things in common with you. And like, oh, this person does business like us. They're a nice person. And um, you know, you, you said that you laughed, you know, at dinner and that's the thing that Andres was talking about about being like too uptight which like sometimes I do because I talk really quick, I think quick, I just get a little robotic, like just trying to get tons of stuff out to you guys. Um, so sometimes I forget like just to more relax and enjoy the whole process, you know? Um, so that is important. Like Jeff Hoffman, we talked about how he made like half the room cry. Like you remember him because of that. And not just because he made you cry because he manipulated you. He's had like good stories, right? And um, Josh, my friend Josh from Accountable Equities raised $30 million. He talks about spreading love through his hospitality company. Like who here talks about spreading love while doing 25 million a year in their hotel, right? Like, it's just a, like, not weird, but it's like a unique thing to say. And then just three days ago, I was on the phone with these motel to apartment guys and we we're looking at, like, three different capital partners and trying to rank them. The terms are different. It's like apples to oranges. We're, like, who do we work with? And like like I said, they're uh, Eagle Scouts and there's, like, the Scout Law with 12 values. We kind of half-jokingly were like, well, if they don't fit the Scout Law, they're outlaws and we don't do business with them, you know? And it's, like, very similar to what, what you're talking about at the end of the day that's subconsciously what we're all doing is like matching up is this person like me are they going to bite off my finger when i try to like do any business with them you know
2: i found it interesting though that he goes to these events to meet people with capital just to be able to do that right add value it's almost
0: indirect uh yeah and Like, for example, we don't do employment law contract work for medical practices, but if we can help them design a structure to recruit and employ doctors and keep them stable, our investments go better. And if we offer that as an olive branch to begin the relationship, we could really help them with a top concern. But it's not something we're selling to them. It's like a way to get our foot in the door, you know? Great. Thank you for sharing all that. That's great. And sometimes a little side comments like that could be like one of the most valuable things you take away. If you're naturally an entertaining person like my brother's like super outgoing energetic andres is like 10 times more energetic than i am so like my brother should be and andres should be like the ones who are like running the events you'll see them as mc at the super summit like my brother charlie and andres uh to like balance it out and get different personalities out there but if you're naturally someone who actually likes to talk to other human beings and you're not an introvert like myself then like you should use that to your advantage and, and take people out to dinners or take people to ball games or whatever you enjoy doing horseback riding atvs um, whatever it is so you have a fun time together like eventually we're having one investor come to Nepal with us to go to the Everest base camp like eventually as I do those fun things we may invite like a couple of investors that we already have de-risked like hey they're not going to be like weird on the trip or it's not going to be like awkward strange whatever right I took one investor it happens to be my friend to the bottom of the Grand Canyon he got heat stroke and had to get we had to call the rangers twice to give him IVs because he was like yeah so that was his first time camping ever and we were like taking him in there so